So hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Raise Your Knowledge. Uh, it's been already the fourth episode together with Alfie. Um, we are going to discuss a little bit what happened during the week and also probably some non-result talk, but uh, it has happened some bigger things in the sport as well, which might be quite interesting um, to put our sports in a better position. So hey Alfie, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I think, like I said there, there has been a lot of results. What are pretty exciting results. Like we've seen some people race who haven't so far this season. And I don't know. It's just been an interesting week. I, ca I can't believe it's been the fourth week as well because we're still ironing out quite a lot of new things that we're dealing with, like Apple Podcasts. But, you know, eventually we'll get there and sorting everything out. But yeah, it's just been a good week. I'm feeling good. feel a lot better than last week after I pulled out. So yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah, on the result point of view, I think uh, we have to, uh, from here on into the future, we have to a little bit select what uh, we're going to cover and hit all the interesting stuff because uh, racing are popping up everywhere and it will be hard to cover up everything. But we're going to try to cover all the interesting and the most, um, yeah, the most noticeable things. And um, yeah, we would like to start uh, with races in Europe. So have you been watching anything over here in Europe or is it just the results you have been seeing? To be honest, it's just been results. I've been pretty, I hate to say this because obviously I'm a European myself. I've been more focused on the US side of things. Um, so yeah, just seen some results, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're more clued up in terms of, in terms of watching the races at least uh, this the past week. Yeah, I mean, I have watched only a little bit of the uh, Milano Marathon this morning, which was quite uh, interesting and especially quite fast. Um, but other than that, uh, the results are from low-key meets where just there are only a few uh, manageable results. So I think the big thing was the Milano Marathon this morning. Um, so we are recording on the Sunday um, this morning was the Milano Marathon and both men and women were able to um, put out a world leading time. On the men's side, it was a 2.02.57 by Titus Ekiru, um, a quite unknown name, but uh, with a time of 2.02.57. Yeah, I mean, marathon times are not what they used to be five, six years ago. So um, 2.02.57 is crazy fast but uh yeah and on the women's side as well uh, we saw a world lead of 219.35 by um hopefully i pronounced that name correctly gebri mariam gebris kiden um also a very unknown name from for me but um the result is pretty good um yeah but i mean this week uh shoes might be as well pretty interesting um I'm sure even if you haven't seen the race, have you seen the pictures? I have seen the pictures and I did get to see um, the Adidas Adi Zero 2, which uh, I can't make my mind up. I, I don't know if I like it or not. It looks strange. It looks like it's over-engineered, but it kind of looks fast as well. So what are your opinions on that? Obviously, the first time we've seen it actually in a race. Um I don't know. I can't, I can't make my mind up. I think it's ugly, but I think it's nice. I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, all those shoes now, the the big, chunky, uh, carbon-plated shoes, if you look at them on a, on a different way, I mean, you know they are fast, but they don't especially look fast. Uh, I mean, Nike is doing quite a good job with putting this Aladdin heel, uh, which makes them a little bit looking faster but um yeah it looks weird but um same as you i mean compared to their first um adidas pro adios pro it looks way way more advanced um and i think also adidas is not going to put out a shoe now which is not a, a really good update of their of their previous one and um but yeah i'm really curious to see if now this shoe might be the answer to Nike's next percent and which might be a better shoe because I feel like Nike with the next percent they just changed the upper for the next percent too so there was no real involvement in the shoe and 
it looks like Adidas did quite a few changes and uh, hopefully it will match or even better the shoe and the shoe game will will be much better again. Yeah, I mean, if anyone from Nike is listening, that's how you do an update to a shoe. You don't just put a number two next to the name and think that's enough. Adidas have actually gone out and changed the shoe um, and hopefully made it better rather than just change the material on the top, and didn't, which didn't take off any weight either. It's not like the shoe got lighter. Yeah, so props to Adidas, but I do agree. I think Nike are going to be further down the pecking order in terms of super shoes in the next few years. Yeah, exactly. I think so too. I mean, uh, with you see big other companies uh, investing a lot of money into sponsorships, and I think it would be stupid to invest that much of money in sponsorships if you don't follow it up with great shoes. And by cutting all these sponsorships, which Nike did last year, um, I mean, a really, really good example this week which is really interesting, is the famous couple, uh, the Gregsons. They uh, also, they were dropped by Nike and they are now with uh, Puma, which is quite exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, Puma as well. I, I think Puma is the most exciting brand right now as they have quite some talented runners out now. Um, and I think they have, well, I don't know. I haven't tested any Puma shoe yet. I don't know about you, but um, you will not get athletes of this caliber if you don't follow it up with great shoes because those athletes, they want a medal and they have ambitions and they don't want to be behind just because of their footwear. Yeah, I was about to ask you if you've tried any because I've never tried any and I'm still a bit skeptical to be honest because they seem like they're doing a good job in terms of the super shoes. They've got quite a lot of different shoes out, but in the same sense... I don't know if they're as good as the other brands. Um, I'll have to try some out because the, the Nitro range, I believe it is, looks quite promising. But at the same time, really, we've only seen Molly, Seed, Molly Seedle racing them um, so far. So I'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, any brand what's starting to make super shoes, they need to catch up. Uh, sorry, any brand that is, is catching up. And that's what they need to do to keep hold of these athletes. Um, because obviously at the minute, unless you're, if you're a roadrunner, for example, unless you're Nike, Adidas and that's probably about it, or ASICs as well, then you're at a disadvantage. Um, so yeah, it's great to see, and it's great to see athletes having confidence to move brands away from Nike, um, which probably wouldn't have got two, three years ago. Yeah, and uh, also Sokoni, we see more and more pictures of the Sokoni Endorphin Pro 2. Um, for me, it doesn't look like big, big changes on that shoe as well, but... Um, Probably it's more technology inside and we will have some changes there as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, then let's move on to more um, results from Europe. Um, something which might be quite interesting is uh, Marcel Jacobs, an Italian guy. He ran 995, uh, which is a national record. And um, if you want to see him training, uh, head over to his Instagram uh, his handle is at crazy long jumper and uh, it's quite fun to see him that he's racing um, actually a full uh, sprint on the track behind the car uh, to give him less wind uh, resistance and it's crazy to see is yeah such such things and how far people are pushing it to find an, an extra percent but um, yeah I mean uh, as a European guy sub 10 seconds you are into the game. And I think he is also someone who might be possible to make an Olympic final as a European sprinter. It's uh, quite uncommon. Yeah, and also I think the sprints with Coleman out, obviously Bolt's gone. Gatlin's not the person he was a few years ago. It It's open. Like The, the only person who's shone this year in terms of sprinting is Travon Bromel. Even though Lyles hasn't looked too impressive. So it's, it's really open at the minute. Um, so maybe we can see some Europeans creep into the final and creep into the medals as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the same. But um, yeah, and then on the women's side, something for me, which is really, really interesting. Um, Audrey Vera, she ran 126.61 for 600 meter, which is not crazy, crazy, but... Um, she was beating a few sub-two-minute 800-meter girls uh, in that race in Langenthal. 
And the thing is, she's only 17 years old. Um, she's from Switzerland and she's set to run uh, 800 this week. And um, I will follow that and to see if a 17-year-old girl uh, can break the two-minute barrier. But uh, I think she, she might be the one to do it. And if if I'm right, this the 126.6 is a world best uh under 18 and under 20 um which is yeah at least mentionable i've got a question here because i know a lot of people are going to jump straight away to say it's the it's the shoes it's the dragonflies it's the airs in victories but taking into account we've both worn them and they're not that good why is everyone getting so much faster especially at a young age do you think it's we've had a long time to train people training more consistently better training methods. I feel like Ingebrigtsen's have probably paved the way a lot in terms of youth development and like showing what you can do. Um, but why are so many young people running so fast at the minute? Yeah, I mean, like the Norwegians, it's quite obvious. They have like this huge tradition and I think they are all starting to maybe not train professional track and field, but um, they are training their cardiovascular system pretty early on with cross-country skiing or i don't know what even running and so they have like this engine already early on and which might lead to great uh performances but the thing with this always is and i, I mean yes we see more people having great times early on but we had that always but the thing is how will they compete at a senior level? That's always interesting. I mean, it's if you burn out someone really early and he's running a great time for a teenager, but he's never going to race well on the on the senior level, where is the purpose in that? And for me, it might be better to develop someone a little bit later and let him train uh, like he wants it to be and don't force him to do it so he will be in the sports for longer rather than yeah burning him out early on and i mean everybody was talking about it when ingebrigtsen was that young uh, and everybody was like oh no he's going to be burned out at the age of 20 and he will not race well but um, he's proving us wrong same is uh, well same as nico young uh there were also a lot of critics he's uh running too hard too early but yeah i mean it's a development and i think the shoes well not the spikes but the the road shoes they play a factor in that because you are able to train better uh and train harder because you recover much better but um yeah it's interesting but maybe it's also people are more professional early on which might be the case as well i don't know what's your theory on that yeah, I think obviously the road shoes again, much more supportive, recovery quicker, allow you to train harder. I've seen that. I'm sure you've seen it as well. Um, but yeah, I think people just taking it more seriously from a younger age. Um, as the more, I feel like we're getting to a place now where it's widely accessible to see training methods, and we've got Ingebrigtsen as a use case now. There wasn't too many people who didn't burn out when they were pushing it hard as a young younger age, but we've got Ingebrigtsen, we've got Nico Young, so people are probably seeing now. They, if they've done it, we can do it as long as we do it right. So I think a lot of people are being more professional with it and just taking the time, being consistent and doing the right things. And I guess that's why it's happening. But it, it is great to see. Well, it's great to see, but also sad to see that I'm not much faster than some 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds out there, um, which isn't the nicest feeling in the world. But what can you do? Um, but it is it's good for the sport, I think. Yeah, <laughs> very true. I mean, uh, I feel old right now. I'm 27 and I feel already quite old, even if I'm not that old. But on the other hand, if you see someone like Chris Thompson uh, rocking it uh, the day before his 40th birthday, uh, I think we have a few more years in the sport, um, which is promising as well. I mean, you see it on both ends, like the super young guys who are performing on a high level, but also this, well... I mean, 40 is not super old, but uh, considering an uh, athletic ability, 40 is on the upper end, but you see some great performances also on that end, uh, which which are also, I don't know if it has always been the case because I don't follow the sports, the sport for that long that in this manner like I do it now, but I feel like 
you see more on both ends. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think maybe just training better and smarter is probably the answer. Yeah, let's hope it's that and not uh, something more, yeah, bad for the sports. But um, I would, I, I think it's not that, and and it's really like the more, the better facilities, better, uh, prof- more professional, more money in in the sport, and also more like the real will to perform at a high level, pre- early on, but also at, at a high age and like stories being told by these young guys or even old guys it will just push others to do the same if you are young or old it doesn't matter but it's always great to have someone to look up to and to to be inspired by and um yeah but uh, from the young guys i mean heading to italy in bergame um there was a pretty fast low key 5k um, I don't know if you even heard of it, but um, Lomuket Mark, he ran 13.01 for the world lead in a 5k. And he was just one second ahead of Selemon Barriga. Um, so he ran 13.02. And according to uh, Selemon Barriga's manager, uh, he was even injured prior to that on a hamstring. And he was actually entering this race a little bit sick. Um well, if he's injured and sick and running 13.02 in May, um, I'm curious to see what he's going to do in um, in Tokyo when he's at full fitness. If he's injured and sick and still doing a 5K race, I'm interested to see how much money he was being paid to do that race because I certainly wouldn't race if that was the case. Um, but yeah, Salomon Varega is someone who, you know, is probably always going to be around that high 12 for his shape if he really had to push it. Um, and you've always got to back him to get a medal in the Olympics. Don't think he has yet, has he? No, he's way too young. He's born, he's, I guess he's 20 or 21 yeah. now. Okay. <sighs> maybe. He's, he's been around for maybe, a long time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he's like Yeah, he's been around for a long time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, other than that, do you have something more in Europe? Um, I don't have something special other than that here in europe what about you uh just the only thing i've got here is obviously tony van dypen of the netherlands um coming off the world relays which we slated in the last podcast or the podcast before uh, he ran a 113 600 meter time trial in those new balance spikes what are not actual spikes have you seen them where it's like a a grippy plate but there's no spikes um so yeah, he ran one thirteen, which is his time was the equivalent of seven full time, um, solo behind bikes. So people are saying about wind resistance, but I really, you know, when you're going at that speed and you're by yourself, I'm not sure how much wind resistance makes a difference when there's one bike and you're a person behind it. Um, so yeah, it was a good run, solid run. Go watch it on, uh, well, it's on his Instagram, so go and check it out because. I mean, he's seriously talented and I'm actually considering thinking about how he's an outside chance of a medal in Tokyo for the 800. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously super, super fast on the 400, which he has shown previous time, especially indoors. He's quite a genius in those indoor races. Um, but yeah, I mean, behind a bike for sure, it helps. Um, but still, it was, uh, as I've seen in the video, it was... Not the best conditions out there as well, and it's early season. Well, he's coming off a big event of the uh, of the World Relays, which they obviously focused on, and they won the gold. So um, can't blame a bad uh, World Athletics uh, World Relays on someone who won the race. I mean, if you win it, nobody can say anything about that. But um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see him. And actually, uh, I know him. He's a super fun guy. He's he is. Uh, he's super down to earth. And um, it's great to see him race that fast. And also, seeing it's quite interesting to see him race even the 400 meters in actually a middle distant spike. Um, and that's the spike of New Balance, which will launch very soon as well. Um, and... I'm quite interested to see that as well. I mean, Nick Willis has spoken very well about it, um, 
So maybe that's the best answer, which is already among athletes um, on the market compared to the dragonflies. Yeah, well, I might end up buying it because I want to get a new dragonfly spike so I can train in it and race in it. And it's just not feasible because Nike, I don't think they're going to release a dragonfly ever again. I can't lie. I really don't think they'll release it. So need to find new options. Um, and the New Balance spike obviously seems like the one. Uh, but yeah, Tony and also Mike Foppen, both guys from the Netherlands, just great guys. And we always have good banter on uh, on stuff uh, on Instagram. So yeah, both great guys. And the Netherlands squad at the minute is looking really talented. Yeah, and I know that those guys, they are friends among each other as well. It's, um, yeah, I mean, the they have it quite hard from what I see, what um, their standards are. You have the Olympic standards and the world standards, but the Netherlands, they always push them even harder for them. But um, those boys are answering it pretty well with pretty crazy performances. And um, I like to follow both both of them as well. It's uh, it's fun to see how they progress and how, and they are also pretty young as well. And they are sharing a lot on Instagram. It's quite, quite great to see more insights than what you see on um on other athletes who are disappearing for months and then they come back and they compete well, but it's hard to identify with those athletes. And it's the more you show, I think the more, the easier it gets to identify with an athlete. And those guys are doing a great job with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, some news maybe, which are not related to results um, and something which I think is pretty good for the sports. Um, Sky Sport has announced that they are going to stream the Diamond League meetings, um, which is really good. Uh, it's the best thing about getting more money into sports is visibility. And if a big uh, television chain like Sky Sports is going to to broadcast everything, it, it will help the sport and it will bring money into the sport. And that's a really, really good thing uh, in an in the good direction. And another thing uh, which is really, really good in my eyes is the Athletic Association, which was launched um, last week. Um, actually, Christian Taylor, the triple jumper, he's president. And Emma Coburn, she's vice president. Um, and yeah, if you want to join it, um, yeah, it's a little bit hard. Um, you must be over 18 and you have to have a national, uh, yeah, national selection. So you have to be part of the national team um, and or be ranked among the 250 best athletes among your event. Um, it's not for free. Uh, it costs $50 a year. But um, you will have, uh, yeah, events and webinars each month for that, uh, which will help you with, I don't know, with whatever is is concerned right now. Um, I know they are offering mental coaching, which is a big subject as well at the minute. Um, and I think it's something great to have really athletes um, who rep represent all other athletes and who will have... Uh, who will be part of discussions among the World Athletics board and who can discuss with them. And I'm sure, I mean, if you have heard a little bit about Christian Taylor and also Emma Coburn, um, both of them, they are really 40 athletes and they stand for something really big. Uh, they, those are people who have been around for a very long time. Um, and in my eyes, if I would have to choose for two people be representative there, I think that would be my perfect choice. Christian Taylor and Emma Coburn. It's just one male, one female, two different events, one from the field, one from the track. It's just picture perfect in my eyes. Um, have you her, have any um, yeah, people around you who have subscribed to the Athlete Association or have you done it yourself or have you heard anything about something they are doing? I, I've heard quite a lot about obviously what they're doing, uh, but I don't know anyone who has subs subscribed yet. Um, to be fair, I train with a group who none of them have run internationally, so I don't think they're eligible to, to subscribe. Um, but I do want to look into, I do want to look more into it because it is a great initiative, I think. Um and like you just said there, Christian Taylor and Emma Coburn, 
probably perfect people to have. So it's something what is for the athletes. And also I know that they got triple jump and steeplechase and the 200 meters reinstated in Diamond Leagues as well, didn't they? Because for whatever reason, they decided that they were going to scrap that, even though they're probably three of the events or at least two of them where world records might go. So I don't understand why they did that. Um, so it was good that they did that to obviously uh, get them back. And yeah, I need to look more into it though, to be honest. Uh, but it's, it sounds very promising and really good for the sport. Yeah, I think it's it's just great. And um, yeah, another thing, the these $50 a year, they want to use th- this money as well uh, for yeah organizing these events and these webinars. But also they are um, trying to offer like yeah scholarships they want to create a funding to to give the opportunity to other athletes from yeah who don't have the same the same uh, wealth as other athletes and they give want to give them the opportunity to travel the world and race and maybe organize training camps and or even create facilities in uh, places where it's hard to to find money for such uh, such things and I mean, what's better than that if all of the world best ranked athletes can help to make the the running world a better a better and more accessible place? No, I agree. Um, it's a good thing for the sport because we don't really have anything like it and pretty much every other sport I'm pretty sure does. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, um, I mean... Let's not yet head overseas, but um, coming back to some news, um, or now not news, but you've asked me last week who I would sponsor um, if I was a brand who I want to would want to have on my team. So um, I've thought about it a lot, and um, I mean, seeing some college results um, and thinking about those guys. Um, Actually, I have two young, in my eyes, phenomenal athletes on the list who are, I think, still a little bit underrated and they might be the future stars, which is obviously the things you're looking for if you sponsor an athlete. So uh, on the one hand, that would be Terence Lord, um, the LSU athlete who is crushing it right now in the sprints. Um, that's my one. And the other one, uh, we have spoken about him already today. It's uh, Nico Young. Um, I mean, I still, well, he still needed to develop a little bit more his social media game um, and be more transparent and visible. But um, he seems like a really humble guy uh, and he doesn't do the trash talking, which you find in lots of younger athletes and who are... Yeah, I mean, you saw it with the Oregon guys. They well, they created oh, a hype about it, but um, yeah, but Nico, he's just letting his legs do the talking, and um, that's something I I really like. And in my eyes, he might be like maybe on a little bit of a longer distances, but he might be our next um, Jacob Ingebrigsten. And if that's the case. Uh, He's very valuable on the sponsor perspective. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually f- f- thought of someone else as well when you said Terence Laird. Matt Bolin, he is going to have probably one of the highest paid contracts when he leaves college out of anyone ever in history for track and field. Like probably Sydney McLaughlin might still be higher because I'm pretty sure she earns multi-millions a year. But Matthew Bolin has got to be one of the... Whoever snatches him up, that is a great contract to have. Um, just the influence he has, the hype he has around him, even though he is obviously getting beat by Terence Laird uh, at the minute in the 200. I know he won the indoors, but I'm pretty sure. Did Terence beat him today in the final when he ran 19.8? Nope. 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 Never mind. Ignore what I'm saying then. Um, but still, you know what I mean? Matt Bowling going to be a huge, huge sponsorship as well to have. Yeah, he's still really, really young for a sprinter and... Yeah, he's he's exciting to watch as well. And as you said, there's quite a hype. Uh, and the hype is probably in our social media times even more important than the actual performances. But um, still, his performances are outstanding. Um, but yeah, uh, something we had, like my women's choice was Colleen Quigley. 
uh, and she has given us some insights. Uh, she will reveal who, her new sponsor on May 19th, which is, um, yeah, we will for sure talk about that in the next episode. And I'm really curious uh, to see who has um, made this contract with her. And yeah, I mean, you said your tip would be Essex, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm standing by it, 100%. Yeah, I I think I have to agree on that. Um, either Essex or it will be a totally unknown brand, which is not, um, which is actually not doing footwear, but just clothing. And then she would be free to choose whatever shoes she wants. Or maybe she's going to sign an independent shoe deal like um, Sandra Meun is doing. Um, those are the two possibilities for me as well. But um, let's see on uh, May 19th. Um, would be nice to see and I think uh, this company will have a good deal with her and if she keeps doing what she's doing that's um, money well invested yeah I agree I actually didn't think about that it could be someone like running warehouse in the US who stock all all types of shoes um, that'd be great for her um, but yeah I'll be disappointed if it's anyone like tracksmith or Joe brands like that. So I am hoping it's A6 because they look really promising this year. So you'll have to wait and see. Find out next week by listening to this podcast because it will break it. We'll break the news. Exactly. We will talk about that for sure. But yeah, um, I mean, now hopping over to the, over the pond um, and see what uh, those guys have been up to on American soil. So um, would you want to start with some collegiate stuff? Yeah, I, I just... There's so many collegiate races all the time. It's hard to actually speak for everyone. Um, so I just want to quickly, briefly talk about the 1500. Um, Yared and Goose. Yared and the Goose, sorry. I got that wrong in the YouTube video and got stick. Solo to 334 after setting off in a 55 second first lap. Obviously the NCAA record. What are your thoughts behind that? Because I think that's phenomenal and to say the hype's been around Cooper and Cole I know Yared beat them both last week but I can't see that record staying for very long I think about four or five people are going to run it this year um Elliot Kipsang, Sam Tanner, Yared and Goose, Cooper and Cole will probably all break that record again this year so it's it's just crazy crazy yeah I mean I said it last week um Yared and Goose he's the one I think will will crush the Oregon party. Um, he will, I think he will win that uh, national title. He's my pick. Um, and yeah, I mean, 334-68 solo in a heat. Well, it was, he didn't, he raced the final and he won the final in 340 something. Um, there it was the most important was the, was the win, but he just, I think this was a little flex in direction of Oregon to, uh, to tell them, hey, uh, I'm ready and be ready as well because I I can basically you can throw whatever you want at me I'm ready and uh, yeah I mean on on the British point of view the he just took uh, the record away from Josh Kerr uh, which stood at three thirty five zero one um, and yeah I think well you never know with these championships races if if they are interested in running that fast and if they want to break it but. As you said, I mean, there are at least three, four or even five people who are capable of running even faster than that. And obviously, Jared is capable of of running much faster if he did this on his own. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. The most, the most curious I'm about this is how are they going to handle the Olympic trials after this big collegiate, um, collegiate season? And I think they will be done by that time and we will talk a little bit later about a pretty swift comeback or don't call it a comeback uh, but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna give some hot takes when we talk about that but yeah I think it's long season for them especially after indoors being late um, so I don't I can't see how they're going to if they do hold it together and at least like imagine if a college just one collegiate athlete gets um, to Tokyo It'd be very impressive, but like you said, it's going to be tricky to see if the season's going to be too long. Obviously, the pros are finally finding their form because up until yesterday, 
we might as well get onto it in a second anyway, because uh, this is the last I've got to talk about the college athletes. Up until yesterday, uh, college athletes ranked first, second, third, fourth, and fifth in in the America, and then it was uh, Erica Vila or it was a, a USA athlete, obviously ranked sixth, but the top five places were occupied by college athletes in in the whole of America. No US athletes had raced faster, and bear in mind they've all raced pretty much. So. It's going to be interesting. I think for the first time in a few years, it's a strong 1500 metre team for the US because in the last few years, Europe and definitely Great Britain have had a much better team. Um, so it's interesting to see that they've, you know, the Olympic years come around and they're good again. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to be interesting. And I can tell you're itching. So do you just want to get onto the Centro? Do you just, do you just want to talk about that now? Yeah, let's talk about uh, that race. I mean, it's uh, it's obviously for us the race of the week um and for me also uh i wanted to introduce like the category the performance of the week um and i must say it must be uh centro on the sound running 1500 meter man he just looked as dominant as he has ever been and it looked just like a walk in the park for me uh i mean i have one little down and i don't see him not running the standard the olympic standard because obviously he had it in his legs he just he shut it down the last 50 meters celebrating a little bit um but yeah he won the race in 335 26 closing in 55 2 with um i think he would be able to close that in 52 if he would push through the line at least 52 Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on the race? I mean, a lot, a lot has happened in that race. Um, obviously with the fall early on, um, and yeah, some great results also behind that. I don't want to discredit Centro. I really like him and it was a great race, but after Eric Avila fell, there was probably one good 1500 meter in that race. One good 1500 meter runner other than Centro in that race, which was Joshua Thompson, who didn't run very well. So yes, Centro won. Yes, he looks dominant. Yes, he looked comfortable. But half of them were 5,000 metre runners or juniors or like younger athletes. So it was a lot better than he's done this season and it's definitely stepped in the right direction and he did look very, very good. But I want to see him race Josh Kerr, Justin Knight, Ollie O'Hare. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think his, the standard was crazy good. Um especially after Mel Ahmed and Eric Avila fell, which are probably two of his biggest contenders. But I think for Centro, a big thing is winning again. And for him, he will come back stronger again after that. Um, I would just have liked to have seen it in a better field to before I get too hyped up about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can understand what uh, your thoughts on that. But um, for me, I mean, for him, it was obviously the important thing was the, was the win. And... Yeah. You saw after the race how he behaved. He felt pretty nice about it, and he, he, yeah, he's he wants to create that hype around him now as well. Again, I think, uh, and for me, you're totally right. There was not a caliber fifteen hundred meter field. I mean, Mark Scott, uh, Grant Fisher, those are five k uh, guys, uh, or maybe even ten k guys, um, and. They ran great as well as five k or ten k guys, but um, just destroying a field in the last two hundred meters, and he could have destroyed them by three seconds in my eyes, yeah. if he just wanted. That's pretty dominant, and just running two seconds faster than everyone else in the last two hundred meters is on that level still really impressive, and. As you could see, he was pretty pumped about it, and he wouldn't be pumped about it if it was a an okay performance. I mean, Centro is, uh, and I wrote it under his post, uh, I mean, don't underestimate the reigning Olympic champ, and he will be, I, I mean, he's, for me, the safest lock on the Olympic team for the US. Pretty, he has always been there when it mattered, always, and I'm as you can hear, I'm a big Centro fan. Um, and he doesn't care about times. He cares about medals, about titles and about wins. Yeah. 
I love Senjo as well, and I think it was great seeing him, especially in that new Bowerman kit. That looks clean as well. It looks really nice. Um, it's good to see a personality in the sport winning again because Centro was probably, before I started Trackster, Centro was the biggest name who I knew in the US. Um, so it's good to see he's actually living up to his name again. Um, and yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of making the Olympic team. I think he will be, if you had to bet on someone to definitely make it, it would be Centro, definitely. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because like we said, it's a stacked, it's a stacked, uh, stacked team to make this year. Yeah, um, well, to mention uh, the other results of that race, um, Jake Hayward ran 3.36, uh, 24, and then Mark Scott ran 3.36, 78. Uh, sorry, 14 and 18 were both. And then Grant Fisher, 3.36, 52, and then followed by Josh Thompson in 3.37, 17. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, four guys in the top five were Bowman's Rec Club, and it shows just that... Uh, well, we will touch on that a little bit later, but the men on the Oregon, uh, on the Bowman's Rack Club, they are doing a pretty good job. Well, obviously, um, a nasty fall in the first 50 meters by uh, Mohamed Ahmed was pretty unfortunate, but uh, he backed it up the day after, or no, the evening after, right? It was a morning and yeah. an evening session. Uh, he came back winning the 5K in pretty, yeah dominant way as well in 1318 uh, ahead of Andrew Butchart um, in 1320 who is looking fit and ready to come back as well uh, and yeah they're in fourth place um, following up what we've been discussing about Tinman um, Sam Parsons he ran 132220 uh, so what do you say about that it's better it's better for the Tinman guys I was sad to see Sydney Garibude run 13.50. Um, something must have gone wrong there. Um, but, yeah, I like Sam Parsons. Um, a lot of people have their opinions on him. Uh, but, obviously, knowing him and speaking to him, I couldn't wish him more success because he's such a nice guy. Um, so, it is great to see him running. I guess not, not where he'd want to be quite yet, but in a race of that calibre with Mohamed, Andy Butchart, Olympic finalists we're talking about here, and Olympic medalists, Um uh, he's got to be pleased with that, and he's got to be confident now going into the Olympics for Germany. Um, I can't think of any other people who could rule him out of a three, providing he runs the time. Um, so, yeah, really good, really good race. Really pleased for him, and it's kind of sort of putting Tim Man back on the map. But I guess you can't really say that because I don't think it's Tim Man anymore. But we're gonna have to wait until after the Olympics to find that out. I believe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, great results by Sam Parsons and it a little bit shut down to talk about them not performing at their best. Uh, it's great to see him back racing really well. Um, and yeah, actually something which surprised me a lot was closely behind him was Josh Kerr. Uh, and he all, for me, he looks already like a pretty heavy 1500 meter guy and being able um, with his with his physical strength, obviously, to run 13.23. This looks quite promising as well um, for a really, really good 1,500-meter season there as well. I think he could run sub-330 this year. I think he honestly can. He's he's looking so dominant and strong. And it shocks me because the Brooks Beast training, from what I've seen from the Athlete Specials videos, really doesn't look anything special. And he comes out and runs like that. Um, David Rivish as well running what thirty seven or thirty something in the thirties. That to say yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah. his best performance of the year. That's his literally his best performance of the year, and he's a fifteen athlete. So great performances from both of them. It was fun to see Josh Kerr do that because, like you said, he he's probably the biggest. He'd, he'd even be a big eight hundred meter runner. You know, is it's not like he's a small runner. So it, it is. I mean, he might be. I wonder if there's a stat out there, the heaviest sub 13, 25, or I'm sure, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's broke a record by being the heaviest runner to break a certain time. Maybe. Yeah, there are some, yeah, there are some others uh, like Ben Solinsky. Uh, that's a name which pops immediately up in my head. Um, or Andy Vernon. He looked quite, yeah, True. heavy as well, but um it's untypical, but those, both of those which I stated now, 
they were not as quick on the 800 as uh, Josh Kerr is. So it looks quite promising. I guess on a on a strength endurance point of view, he's quite ready for um, moving down in distance and hit some really fast times. And maybe it's not their main goal to be like really fast, but um, to make those teams and make that final and be a factor. And I think he can be. Yeah, you're, you're talking about maybe an outside chance of a medal here. Because in the 15, people get swallowed up in that last 100 metres in recent years. So, you know, there's, there's that third spot definitely is up for grabs. And if he can finish strong, then you never know what can happen. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, whew, what else do you want to cover from sound running? I mean, there were quite some interesting results, but uh, to touch everything might be a little bit too ambitious. Um, something which... I found was really um, noticeable and that's uh, category like um, the fail of the week for me it's obviously um, the Bowman Track Club women uh, in my eyes well not all of them fail really failed but um, all of all in all it was quite disappointing seeing their results uh, in different events I mean uh, on the women's 1500 um, Katie Snowden won in a really fast time, uh, 4.02. She's unattached as well, so really good, really good race. Yeah, followed by Kate Grace uh, and then Jessica Hall. Actually, Emma Coburn ran that race in 4.02. Someone who was not that good as well in that race was Gemma Ricci. Yeah, poor Um, race. only Only good enough for eighth place. But um, yeah, finishing dead last was Sinclair Johnson uh, in four twelve, and then and we continue in the five thousand meter women. Actually, Gwen Jorgensen was the first Bowerman girl, uh, which is already quite astonishing to say that, uh, and she ran fifteen twenty nine, which is not a great time as well. Um, well. This for her, I have an excuse, and I think a pretty good one. Um, Vanessa Fraser ran fifteen forty four, but actually, exactly one year uh, prior to that race, she had some pretty nasty injury. Uh, well, not not injury, but um, surgery. Um, and seeing her back racing is already a really good sign. But uh, good even sign. behind her, yeah, but was um, Marielle Hall. And she didn't even break 16. So um, maybe they were trying something uh, coming down from altitude or trying something in training which didn't work out and they took their lesson out of it. But um, it was not the performance we are used to see from the Bowman babes. No, no, exactly. It makes you do think that surely they must have been doing something. Whether it was a bad workout, a bad travel down... Some issues with, I don't know, there's many things that could go wrong at the minute, I guess, for like if they were late to have COVID tests and then couldn't eat properly or something, you never know. Or maybe they're just all had bad races. It happens. But I mean, Mariella Hall running outside 16, that's more than a bad race. That's like, I don't want to be mean, but that's, you know, you wouldn't expect that from her. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, um, no. Like we said, there's lots of results. So I'll quickly say some other ones that I'm sort of, was impressed by um i think laura muir in the 800 meters 158 good race it is weird to see that her and Gemma reiki have decided to switch distances for now obviously they'll change back eventually uh come olympics uh other than that really i have completely forgotten what else i wanted to say so let me just find my notes um <laughs> i can't believe that i'm doing this oh yeah in the 10,000 meters um Connor Mance was impressed me because he ran twenty seven forty. Obviously, the NCAA champion uh, came third in that fourth in that race. Sorry, um, so that was impressive. What else was the? I think in the women's five k, Sifan Hassan soloed a fourteen thirty five. So not terribly fast, but I mean this early on for for her to do that's very impressive. Uh, yeah, Bonnell. and she soloed that from the front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it just shows a dominance, really, doesn't it? And then Travon Bromel running. 992 again shows that he's probably favorite coming Tokyo for the 100. Yeah, I mean, the the time 992 is not like crazy impressive, especially as he had 1.5 meters uh, uh, tailwind. But um, I mean, just the margin of winning, it was exactly 
0.3 seconds, which is huge in a 100 meter race. It's just it's just ridiculous how how dominant he has been over all every single race. I mean the times. If you win every race, the time will follow uh, for sure, and that's the case as well in my eyes for Centro. Um, but yeah, it's Travon Brumel. Even if I'm not a big sprint guy, for me, it's really really cool to see him him race. It's it's cool to see his turnover and being a little bit smaller sprinter, still hitting, seeing him hit the the top speed uh, is way above even the taller guys. It's just it's cool to see. Um, something I would love to mention in two races, which you have stated already now, uh, the first being, um, because I used to train in Kenya with her when I was in Kenya, um, Hannah Klein, uh, she's a German girl who ran, uh, 15.01, uh, so she qualified for the Olympics, uh, with a seventh place in the 5,000 and, um, it was really good to see that, uh, knowing that she, yeah, I've, I've seen her train. I know she put her heart in it and um, it's a little bit um, a more personal thing for me, but it was really great to see that happening and uh, to for her to make that team is just, it's really great. Um, and then another point, the women's 800 meters. Um, last week we had someone running 2000 run and this time around it was someone running 159.99 for personal bass, which was actually Ali Perrier. And now she has a sub two, a sub four and a sub 15, something which is not that common as well. She has some range and she's performing well. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit crazy to see her run, like having this range from uh, 800 to the 5K. And I'm pretty sure she would be crushing a 10K as well because she has some some strength in those legs and it's great to see um her running that well yeah sub sub 31 needs to come quite soon from her as well yeah that would be cool um and then yeah on the it's a little bit of a sad story to be honest um to see the women's 10k uh obviously it was pretty great uh Secafini won the race in 1331 um at Akurgut and Sarah Hall, the marathon uh, performer, they ran under the standard. But then uh, we have five women, um, like basically a second away from the Olympic standard. Uh, they ran 31.25 and change, and the standard is 31.25.00. And among them is uh, the British girl, uh, Jessica Jutt. She just missed the Olympic qualifier by nine tenths of a second which is it must be so frustrating to have frustrating to have that on a on a 1500 but having it on a on a 10k is just heartbreaking and i hope that these girls will either hit the standard at one point or they will they will travel to tokyo with um with the world athletics ranking system but uh, it's heartbreaking to see so many athletes being so close to fulfill a, a lifetime dream. Yeah, Jessica Judd ran in the new Hoka Spikes as well, which is pretty interesting. Um, and I also, I'm not sure if this is right, but I think I've heard somewhere that she has the Olympic time for the 5K. I'm pretty sure. Yes, that might be, yeah, that might be true. I don't know if she ran it in the period because some, yeah, sometimes from last year they didn't count. So I'm not sure about that, but... Um, I mean, if you're able to run 31, 25, 90, you're also able to run 31, 24 and something. No, yeah. So it's just a matter, can you find a race and can you find a fitness again? Because you need some, you can't race the 10K every weekend like you can do with an 800. So hopefully they, all of them can qualify um, because otherwise that would be so heartbreaking to be that close from from an Olympic dream. Yeah, no, I agree. It's kind of ridiculously close actually surely they must have been thinking with a few laps out with this close we need to we need to pick it up but i guess if at the end of a 10k you're probably hanging on for your life so i mean you can you can let them off and i do feel the pain because it's not very nice getting so close exactly so um you have something else uh from the international point or um 
Should we talk a little bit about our own running and um, what's the plans and what have what have you been up to during the week? Yeah, I don't, I don't really have any any more races. I feel like there's so many; it's hard to keep track of what we've said and not. Um, something I wanted to speak about last week, so I'm going to use the opportunity now to speak about it. Is I'm currently sleeping in an altitude tent, and my lungs are very tired. Um, I keep on up in the altitude and running up hills or doing like hard sessions at the minute. I am so tired. Like my breathing is so heavy. And I think that's obviously just because I'm getting used to the altitude. Uh, like I did a session on Saturday, which was six times 1200 at 320, 320 with a lap jog recovery. Um, and I felt like I was going to die. <laughs> I couldn't breathe at all. I managed it and I trained well still, but it was hard and I think I'm currently sleeping at 5,000 meters, which is quite high. I'm pretty sure. That that might be wrong. Uh, Let yeah. me check. Uh, uh, <laughs> 5,000 meters, that would be, I think, crazy, crazy high. And I don't know if that will have... Yeah, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, if the, neg the negative points will not overwhelm the positive things. Yeah, not five thousand meters. It's 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 five on the scale, which is the highest it goes. But I can't imagine that's five thousand meters. Thinking about it, actually, it seems like that's sixteen thousand feet. I'm not trying to climb Mount Everest, um, but yeah, my training's been going well. What about what about you? Uh, my training has been going quite well as well. Like this week has been um, a little bit of a really heavy week um, because I'm going to race next weekend. I'm going to open up my season with a. 1500 meters next Sunday um, so we'll probably um, talk about that and during the next episode as well but yeah I had two sessions uh, one being on Monday which was quite hard um, and I actually had one today which was like in between it was uh, it ended up being a little bit of a killer at the end but um, it was nothing that crazy anymore because I'm obviously seven days out of my race but uh, I'm really happy with how my training is progressing. I don't feel really ready to race yet because I haven't done a lot of specific stuff and we want to be ready come mid-June, end of June. So this is just a, a rust buster, even if the race looks like it will be a really, really fast one and I might be even the slowest in my heat. But um, I'm just happy to compete again. And also here in Luxembourg, we had our first competition back which was really cool to see it was organized by my um my local club and was great to see people running again um and i guess you have this for quite a while now in the uk but um i mean you see it on our results uh, which we are stating all everywhere some races pop up and it's great to see people running again and um I'm now, I have that, uh, what you had like two weeks ago, I think, where you opened up your 3K. Uh, I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite uh, nervous to start after a little bit of a time, but I'm really looking forward to race again. Yeah, I think you've just, you, you know, it's your season opener, you're going to be excited, you're going to be nervous, just get in there. And it's, you know, I think this applies to anyone who's doing a season opener. You sometimes can shock yourself with how well you run, even though you don't feel like you've sharpened too much. I didn't do any sharpening before my 3K and I ran a seven-second PB, eight-second PB. So, I mean, you can probably run... like It's not going to be crazy quick because a lot of people aren't going to really go for bust in the first season opener. So just chill, sit in the race and start working the last lap. And just, I guess for 15, just make sure you keep concentration after 800 um, to the bell. That's the biggest thing, I think, um, between 800 and um, 1300 or... Uh between 800 and yeah, 1100 uh, sorry 1100 yeah exactly but yeah um but coming back to you sleeping at altitude um so how exactly i mean i have um i have had some altitude camps but tell me what's the game plan with that and uh, how are you how how long are you in the tent and what's the game plan with it so at the minute obviously i'm sleeping in it so probably in it around nine and a half hours because i get in it before bed chill out in there for a bit and then wake up um, but also any time in the day if I can get in the tent I will chill in the tent for a bit just to get some more altitude in there and the plan is to stop using it a week out from my race in on June the 5th 
which is the 10,000 metre uh, British Champs, I think, um, where I've got to try and run the European standard of 29.10 for the under-23s. So that's the plan. So I just thought I'd do everything in my power to run that. And part of that is using altitude tents. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm just seeing how it is. I'm getting used to it. The aerob easy aerobic stuff's feeling a lot easier at the minute. But when my lungs have to start working, they're still getting adjusted to the altitude. Um, so they're a bit trickier. But I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's a bit of an experience to sleep in it, though, because it's very hot and it's quite claustrophobic at times. So for how long have you been in the tent? So when did you start it? Uh, a week today. Yeah, this this will be my seventh day. So okay, getting awesome. used to it. And, um... So, and you, when is your race, you said, so how long will it be that you are in the tent? And um, just for curiosity, maybe um, if you want to share that, did you do blood testing before um, and are you planning to do it after? Uh, what might be interesting to see some effects, but um, yeah, blood is one thing, but maybe also feeling wise, it's quite interesting to see if you, if you, well, obviously for now you have some, uh, some physical changes going on in your body um but yeah it might be really interesting to follow this up each week talk a little bit about how you're progressing with it because it's something in my eyes really interesting with yeah not many people have access to it but um just hearing someone speaking about it might be really interesting yeah yeah definitely i'll keep a log i actually sadly didn't take blood tests before but i can just go off feel i guess um It's weird because I already feel fitter in a way and I think it burns fat a bit quicker. Um, so I'm eating a bit more and also my skin's gone really nice. My skin's gone smoother, which is nice um, because I don't have the best skin. So yeah, altitude's great. I could definitely see why it's a huge benefit because after a week, even though I'm still working hard because of the getting used to it, it feels great. Um, the, you're just sleeping in the tent's not the nice part because it's, it's very, very claustrophobic and warm. So anyone who does have an altitude tent or thinking about getting one, have a cold shower or don't have a bath or a hot shower just before you get in, cool off a bit because it, if you get in and it's warm and you close the tent, you're, you're not going to get to sleep. It's that bad. So uh, do you think it's affecting your sleep um, on a negative way or even because of the lack of oxygen, you're sleeping deeper? Because I had the impression when I was, uh, when I'm up in altitude that uh, I might sleep not The, my recovery seems to be a little less good but i have the impression that i'm sleeping really really deep and yeah i'm basically i'm i'm in bed and i wake up the same as i was um sleeping so i don't move during the night i have the impression to not move during the night so uh do you have the same with the tent or what are your exactly experiences? the same exactly the same i go to sleep almost instantly because the oxygen to the brain makes you tired because there's no, you're not getting as much um and i wake up in the exact same position and i also wake up um feeling fresh and recovered as well like the problem is with the altitude tent you always need the toilet when you wake up you always need the toilet so it's it's deciding whether to get up and open the tent because like in bed you can wake up and like go to the bathroom get back in bed whereas this you wake up unzip the tent and by the time you've unzipped the tent gone to you're awake so i'm not having any lions at the minute which is probably a bad thing because i I like my sleep but yeah the sleepings i feel like you have a really deep sleep i haven't woken up in the night once since i've had the tent which baffles me because i normally wake up quite a lot so yeah it's an interesting one i i don't know if i like it and i don't know if i'd always want to do it but but at the minute it's it's great i'm I'm thinking of getting a tent with what's like just the cube what covers the head because mine covers the whole bed mm -hmm. and it's really not too nice in terms of claustrophobia and stuff um but i don't know it's, it's it's the best i've got and also it's very expensive so i'm lucky enough to have a friend who lent it me because i definitely wouldn't be paying full price for an altitude tent yeah i'm curious to see and to follow this up during the next weeks and um how yeah how is progressing if your breathing is getting better during the sessions and especially it will be interesting once you don't sleep in the tent anymore if you're really feeling uh crazy good and uh but yeah i think to, it's quite yeah for a 10k race i might consider doing something like that as well but for the shorter race i mean the shorter the the race is 
the less important is this um, fitness from altitude, I think, or the oxygen intake and exchange. So um, it's quite interesting, and uh, I'm curious to hear your what your what your thoughts will be during the process and also after it. And maybe it will be interesting for you as well to maybe in in future um, in future in the future when you're going to try it again to listen back to this and to know how it was when you first did it and how it's evolving, if it might be normal that you feel this way and if you were going to have a turnaround. And um, yeah, uh, I think that would be a good idea to talk um, each week a little bit about that. So if you guys are interested in hearing that, um, give us some feedback about this. Um, and yeah, even if you have any other questions to uh, Alfie about the tent or any other question basically we're happy to answer it and um, feel free to uh, dm us them either in our personal accounts or um at raise your knowledge and give it a follow as well yeah yeah give it a follow and i guess that's that's the end of, is that the end of the podcast are we are we finishing there been an hour and five an hour and six minutes another good podcast you got anything else to talk about yeah uh no actually i think we covered everything quite well um but yeah another big week of um actually there will be a marathon again obviously next week uh, i will talk about my opener so stay tuned for that uh and um i hope you liked the episode and um if you want uh, leave us some feedback uh and Hopefully we will hear each other back next week um, and the last words are for Alfie and I say goodbye. Yep, uh, obviously appreciate everyone who's tuning in to listen and I've got a promise, as of next week we will definitely have Apple Podcasts working for anyone who likes Apple Podcasts and that's a promise. Uh, I'm going to work endlessly to try and sort that out. Uh, so yeah, thank you for listening and have a nice week or whatever you're doing right now, whether it's the start of the week, end of the week, I don't know. Just have a nice time and thank you for listening.